just the skills that you learn from volunteering. I said when I was a BDA student rep, I learned in my second year as a student the importance of you know strategic change at a, a sort of director level because the other people on the BDA committee were all board directors. So like you learn so much just from shadowing and being alongside these people and. I do think it's really important for like young generations of dietitians to get involved with organisations like the BDA because otherwise um, we are the future of the profession and if we don't get involved with helping to shape and change things then who will? Welcome to the Dietetics Digest podcast, a podcast that helps you understand more about the different areas of dietetics and nutrition and what others are doing within them. We do this by talking to inspiring and influential individuals that are advancing practice in some way, shape and form. Our mission is to create a resource that helps dietitians to build, grow and share ideas with each other to help advance their practice and the practice of others. I am your host, Aaron Boyson. In this episode, we are pleased to have Harriet Smith. Harriet is a freelance dietitian. She's an award-winning writer and a business owner. And in today's episode, Harriet shares with us why she decided to go freelance in the first place, some of her experiences along the way, and she's going to help us out too with some tools and tips that may help others who are considering freelance on the side or as a full-time endeavor. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Dietetics Digest podcast. So maybe I should start off with a little bit of an introduction of how I first got to know who you were. And it was actually during your, I think, first couple of years of university, and you were the BDA student rep. And it was on Twitter, as most inter-dietitian conversations are. And I think we were talking about the sugar tax when it was first coming into action. And you were asking people's opinions and people's perspectives on things like that. And that it feels like ages ago, doesn't it? Yeah, I have to say that's probably going back oh, about five and a half years ago. So, I mean, I have always been quite active on social media since being a dietitian or a student dietitian even. But yes, I think I got to meet lots of students through the role as the British Dietetic Association student rep. Um, and that was just such a fantastic opportunity. Um, and I feel, I feel that I've actually taken some of the skills that I learned from that role several years ago into the work that I do today. And then continuing on from that, I know you from your work as a co-founder of Fight the Fads. Yes. So again, when I was a student, I set up Fight the Fads, which was a social media platform which debunked nutritional nonsense in the media. And it was a great student project. And I ran it with two others. Some people might be familiar with the petition that we ran back in 2016 to try to legally protect the title nutritionist. And it got about 11,000 signatures, got a response from the government. Didn't result in protection of title, but it did raise a lot of awareness about the need to um, make sure that you're seeking nutrition advice from qualified and regulated professionals. And I actually saw on um, social media last week that there's another petition running, which is being supported by the AFN, the Association for Nutrition, and they are trying to achieve chartership for the title of nutritionist. So I think that's really, really great news that they're kind of following on from the work that happened a few years back. Can I just ask, I was wondering if you knew if there was any difference between what you were asking for and what they're currently asking for? I don't think, I think we're 
all working towards the same goal of trying to achieve protection of title of nutritionists so that only uh, qualified and regulated nutritionists who've completed an AFN accredited degree can use that title of nutritionist. I think um, having the AFN behind the current petition is probably and hopefully going to get a bit more traction. So, you know, in hindsight, it's a great thing. And we're obviously very enthusiastic students, but um, probably didn't necessarily think through the whole process of sort of lobbying and changing um, changing things at a higher, higher up level. So I think the fact that the AFN are backing this current petition is really good news. So basically what you're saying is you started it before it was even cool. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that other people weren't involved, but at least you can take credit in starting a petition and really starting people to think about the accreditation of nutritionists as a protected title. And then from that, and I may be skipping a few beats here, you've started Surrey Dietitian. Yeah, so I think important to clarify that I then qualified as a dietitian. So Fight the Fads um, and the BDA student rep stuff was all as a student dietitian. So then I... Uh, graduated back in July 2018 from King's and my first job was actually working at a PR and marketing agency in London called Edelman and I got a three-month internship working their health team there and as I mentioned earlier I've always been interested in sort of media social media particularly marketing my mum is from a PR marketing background my dad runs his own business so we've got this sort of entrepreneurial streak in the family particularly when it comes to writing and media and I really loved doing all that writing side of things as a student even writing my dissertation I actually rather enjoyed it It makes me sound very very nerdy so I managed to secure this internship at Edelman and I was just really keen to upskill my knowledge in working with the media and writing press releases and things like that. So I joined in June, uh, before I'd even graduated actually, and then worked for them through till September. Had an amazing time there, just learned so much. I was working on huge pharmaceutical accounts. So we had, um, you know, big drug companies and we were helping to raise profile of um, new products and drugs that came to market. And obviously being an intern, I was involved um, in quite low level tasks. So I was having to pick up the phone a lot when we had an announcement and try and get uh, on get hold of journalists, try and secure coverage about news stories. But I found it fascinating and going from obviously working in an NHS setting during my clinical placements to suddenly being in a corporate office where you have there must have been about 300 people working in the same office Um, and we were at Victoria we had amazing offices with a rooftop bar it was just such a such a different environment and I found that really motivating quite exciting however I did have some health issues which uh, people who follow my sorry dietitian account will probably be aware of and unfortunately that meant that I was finding commuting to and from where I lived in Surrey to London just too much to deal with and although they offered me a job at the end of the internship I realized that I wouldn't be able to commit to a full-time job so I actually turned it down and decided that I would have to go freelance to manage my health problems. And we'll continue on that note in a sec but I was just wondering why you chose PR marketing instead of going down more of a traditional route for a 
newly qualified dietitian, maybe working in a more clinical setting in the NHS? So I didn't plan to end up in um, communications, which is what I do now. But as I mentioned earlier, even during a student, as a student, I got involved with a lot of writing. I wrote for the Complete Nutrition magazine as a student columnist. I wrote for the British Dietetic Association magazine when I was a student representative. And I obviously ran Fight the Fads and we did a bit of writing through that as well. So I built up those skills unintentionally as a student and then when I got towards the end of the degree um, the health issues became very apparent and it really affected me during my clinical placement particularly my final placement I was missing a lot of um, a lot of the placement and really was feeling the pressure and I just realized that working in a clinical environment particularly the NHS was not going to be conducive to managing this condition so I didn't feel like I had a great deal of choice. I was actually very upset at the time because I did and still do really um, enjoy clinical work and helping people. But I just knew that it wasn't something that I was going to be able to do long term. So I started to look for alternative options before I graduated because I'm quite quite an A-type person. I like to have a plan. I don't like to not know what I'm doing. So when I suddenly realized that this clinical route probably wasn't going to happen for me, I had to have a plan B lined up. And so I just threw, I just remember as a student, I was writing my dissertation, stressed studying for finals. But at the same time, I was every weekend, every spare hour, I was looking for jobs, applying for graduate schemes, trying to figure out what I could do using my skills as a dietitian that wasn't a clinical role. Thank you so much for sharing that experience. I think it'll be really valuable for our listeners. And that story brings us to where you are currently as your role of Surrey dietitian and what you do on a day-to-day basis. As a freelance dietitian, you do a lot of work from your own house. So is it basically just chilling in bed all day? (laughs) I wish. Um, So for the last year, I have a year and a half, I've been running Surrey Dietitian, which is my my current brand. And when I turned down the job at Edelman for health reasons, I decided to go freelance and set up Surrey Dietitian. And I decided that I was going to mainly offer writing services, a little bit of PR based on my PR interest and background, and also some clinical work. I was very aware that I didn't have the years of clinical experience that many of my friends and colleagues have. But at the same time, I didn't want to lose my clinical skills altogether. And I spoke to a lot of dietitians and my old lecturers and explained my conundrum to them. And they all actually encouraged me and said, you can still see some private patients. You have a great support network. Make sure that you continue to have that support network. Um, reach out to others if you need advice or support so I felt very um, empowered having spoken to those other dietitians and I approached a local health club near to where I live in Surrey and I suggested that they perhaps had a dietitian I knew that they used to work with a nutritional therapist um, and she had left so I suggested that I could sort of be her predecessor and Luckily, they were very on board with that suggestion and I joined the club back in January, so just over a year ago, and I saw clients there part-time. It was mainly clients who were quite well but just wanting to optimise their health, so that might be some 
basic sports nutrition advice. It involved um, patients who were perhaps going through the menopause, patients who wanted to optimize bone health. So quite quite interesting um, and varied clients, but nothing too clinical. At the same time, I picked up as much writing work as I could for free initially. I wasn't bothered about making money. I just figured that if I built up the experience and the contacts and got good at it, it would somehow make money later on. So I did lots of volunteering. I contacted charities, contacted friends, acquaintances, companies I'd done work experience for, said what I was doing, offered up my services. And I landed my first proper sort of paid gig working for my friend Jen Roach who runs a cookery school called Fearless in the Kitchen. Jen used to work in PR um, back in Australia and Jen said to me okay Harriet I will employ you to do some PR for my cookery school. I'll pay you for a month see what kind of coverage you can get and we'll go from there. So I was just so delighted that someone um, was willing to actually put a little bit of money into what I was doing and pay me. And I was so um, nervous. I was thinking, my gosh, what if I can't deliver? But I just threw myself into it. I'm quite an organized person, quite um, put a lot of pressure on myself. And I was I was really lucky that I managed to get Jen a double page spread in the vegan living magazine and she was delighted because she does plant-based cookery courses so obviously having coverage in a vegan magazine was great for her raising her profile of the cookery school so um, we also got several well-known bloggers along to the cookery school and they wrote pieces reviewing the cookery school so Jen was really happy um, and that gave me a little bit of confidence and then um, I joined a an organization called the Guild of Health Writers and I they have a Facebook group and I noticed one day that a lady was advertising for a freelance PR consultant to join her company in Parsons Green in London and I, again I got this real sense of oh I'm not good enough I don't have the skills required anyway I applied and she offered me the job working two days a week freelance for her and I continue to work there today. I've been working for Love PR London for um, just over a year. And we have some exciting clients such as um, diabetes.co.uk and some other nutrition related clients. So I still very much use my dietetic background in the work that I do there. I should mention now that I'm actually rebranding. I've set up a new business in the new year because the writing and the PR has gone so well that I can't and don't have time for any of the clinical stuff anymore. So the last few months have been a bit of a whirlwind trying to um, deal with a business that's grown quite quickly and I've finally decided to niche down and just focus on the nutrition communications from the new year and the new business is now called HRS Communications. Wow, that's a brilliant change. And obviously you had all this experience and all this knowledge and you were able to direct it now into the area which you most enjoy. But... If you don't mind me asking, how do you feel about reducing the amount of clinical work that you do? It's taken me months to make the decision to do it. I knew I had to do it because I was, the whole reason for me going freelance was supposedly to look after my health, but I've taken on so much work now that I work ridiculous hours and I'm just constantly tired and stressed. And I, I knew that something had to change. Someone gave me some great advice, business advice. They said, you've got to look at all your clients and you've got to identify the top 20% who are your best clients. They pay the most money and they're the most enjoyable ones and they give you long-term work. So I looked, I have about maybe 15 or 20 clients and I looked at them all 
And I thought, okay, the the clients that I want to continue with working in the new year are all my writing and PR clients. Um, unfortunately, the ones that are taking up a huge amount of my time and stressing me out, I'm not really enjoying doing the work and I'm not getting paid as much as I would have liked because I had to pay a percentage of my fees to the club where I was working. So that was the clinical work. So I I made that decision actually just this week to stop doing the majority of my clinical work from the new year. I've just I've just um, told the club that I work with that I cannot work with them anymore in the new year. So it's a really difficult decision. I have linked up with a couple of local dietitians in Surrey where I live and we've set up a referral program where, because I still get a lot of inquiries come through my website and I'm really bad at turning down work. So I will often just say, oh, this is my last week of seeing patients. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, I'll see you. I'll help you. So now from the new year, we've got this referral system set up. So I'm very confident in referring them on to these other dietitians. It's great for them because they, they can get more work. However, it does mean that I'm going to just be focusing on HRS communications in the new year. There's definitely been a theme throughout your time of training and your time as a dietitian that you're a very ambitious and you like to seize every opportunity that's put in your way. From the time where you were a BDA student rep to beginning the project to start and fight the fads to now running Surrey Dietitian, making the communications work successful. Do you ever find it too much to manage? Sometimes too much to manage, although another bit of business advice I was given is just say yes to everything and figure out how to do it later on. And that's <laughs> that's definitely something I'm doing at the moment. Um, but in all seriousness, I I think really carefully about whether or not I can take a client on. Um, obviously, being a dietitian, I have to be careful um, which brands I want to associate with. And I recognize as well, I don't have skill sets in lots of different areas. So I just worked with a client back in September who wanted to have written articles on about six different disease areas. And of course, I'm not a specialist in six disease areas. There are people out there, dietitians, who've got 10 or 20 years of experience. So I oversaw the whole project but I actually outsourced the work to six other dietitians. In such a short amount of time you were able to get paid for your work and even get so much work that you have to maybe outsource it to other people or you get other specialists involved that might know more about a particular topic but you're the one that overshadows it and you're using your wide network of people to help you formulate brilliant articles or brilliant resources for people and then distribute that. But it wasn't always this way. As you said at the beginning, you started off doing free or not paid for work. Is that something that benefited you and you'd recommend to other people? Yeah, definitely. Like I said, back in September uh, 2018, I I began just doing all, all my work for free. And I've always tried to build up a network of of contacts. And I think that that really pays off in the long term because now people that I was helping out for free come back and say uh, actually I've got some more work are you interested and I'm happy to pay you for this um, but also just the skills that you learn from volunteering I said when I was a BDA student rep um, I learned in my second year as a student the importance of um, you know strategic change at a, a sort of director level because the other people on the BDA committee were all board directors so like you learn so much just from shadowing and being alongside these people um, I've just been accepted onto the BDA um, future leaders program which I think will be an amazing opportunity 
I know they were very oversubscribed to that. And I do think it's really important for like young generations of dietitians to get involved with organisations like the BDA, because otherwise um, we are the future of the profession. And if we don't get involved with helping to shape and change things, then who will? From my perspective, being a student dietitian and also being a dietitian, you are pivotal in shaping the profession. I know there are others out there that see what you're doing and see what others are doing and are quite enthusiastic, but the freelance world almost seems a bit like a foreign world to them. They know their clinical role back to front. They could do it with their eyes closed. None of them do, of course. But they're interested in doing maybe some freelance or some writing. Do you have any advice for these people? Sure. So I think if people um, want to get involved with health writing, the best thing that they can do is just to begin writing. And that might be um, approaching one of the magazines like the Complete Nutrition magazine or the NHD magazine. Um, Get in touch with the editor, pitch an idea to them or ask if they've got any articles that they need help with. That's a really good starting point because you need to build a bit of a portfolio because People say to me, how do I get well-paid writing work? And you can't just jump on in there at the high end. You have to start from, you know, the bottom rungs and work your way up the ladder. And if you can get a few good names behind your belt who've published your articles, that's great to send to future clients to say, look, I'm a dietitian. I've written this article. I've been published here. How about I write for your publication? So that might be contacting a charity that you like. It might be contacting your local newspaper or your local magazine. It might be offering to help with a nursery or a church, you know, any kind of organisation where they are sending out um, information, written information to the public is um, an opportunity for a dietitian to get involved. In terms of making a a profession and a a salary out of writing, um, I think it's very difficult to do it full time initially. You have to have something else lined up alongside it. So for me, I made sure that I had those two days a week freelancing for the PR agency because that meant that I had enough money to pay my rent and not worry about getting any other work. That was like a good base level. And then anything that I got in addition to that was a bonus. And I also go and find the work the work doesn't always come to me it does and now to an extent because I'm quite good at networking but um you know I just fire off emails all the time to companies I want to work with and I say look this is what I do this is my website here's work I've written and quite often they come back and say that's great we've been looking to work with someone like you I was wondering do you ever get rejected obviously it's to do with their lack of knowledge and it's a mistake (laughs) But has that ever happened to you? So um, I have had a few clients get in touch with me when they say, we're interested in you writing for us. Can you put together a proposal and tell us how much it will cost? And so I put together my proposal and then go back to them and they say, oh, um, it's actually a bit expensive. We were hoping to you know, pay you £50 for an article. And you have to recognise your value as a dietitian. You know, we have done a three or four year degree. We, our knowledge is worth money and we cannot write for free. I've had, I've had um, organisations which, put it this way, are making huge amounts of money, try to get me to write for free. And I've just had to say to them, I'm really sorry, but I don't need the work. And I, I also have bills to pay. I have to um, 
value my my experience and my knowledge by by charging for this service so anyway i have i had one client a few months ago who came back and said that my appraisal was too much money and they didn't have the budget so i never burned the bridges i went back and i said completely understand that i'm really sorry i cannot lower my prices because i have my own staff to pay and if i go any lower i can't afford to pay them um i said best of luck with finding someone if you need any help in the future feel free to get back in touch about a month later, an email dropped into my inbox from the same company saying, we've reevaluated things and we've increased our budget for written content. We're wondering if you would still be able to write for us. Um, and I'm beginning a contract with them for six months in January, which is, um, yeah, which is great news. This is a little bit off topic, but it reminds me of when I was planning my wedding and we were trying to look for a wedding photographer. And one of our family friends had a photography business that he did in, in his spare time. So I asked him how much it would cost and he said it would be around £250, special deal for us. And I thought, oh, that's a lot of money, that. However, after a quick Google search, I realised that that was an incredibly good deal and I snapped him up on his offer immediately. I think that's something that we don't quite understand sometimes, even ourselves. We don't understand how much effort and how much work is involved in the job somebody else does. Yeah, and it's difficult um, also deciding when to invest money and spend on growing your business. So at the moment, I've, in fact, just before speaking to you, I've just paid for a branding agency to redo, well, create a new logo um, and a new website for HRS Communications. And obviously that's a lot of money. And um, I was very reluctant to pay that money. And I, I do spend a lot of time getting quotes from different people and weighing up whether it's something worth putting money into or not. But sometimes, like you said, you do have to pay a bit more for a good service. And I've I've paid cheaply for some really bad services before and learned that it's actually worth spending a bit more money to use someone who is really knowledgeable. And hopefully the same same applies to dietitians. Yeah, I think there are loads of websites out there where you can get logos designed for as little as five pounds. But is that the logo that you really want to represent your brand long term? And that's a question that a lot of business owners need to ask and whether it's worth the investment at that point in their business. So obviously brand is linked to marketing and linked to PR and they're all linked within the business category. Did you find those sorts of things naturally came to you or did you have to work at them? Um, so PR is essentially um, trying to get coverage and raising the profile of your clients. So I think a main skill that you need to have for that is good communication skills. And that's something that I've been trying to improve since I've been a student. So I just tried to get involved with any opportunity like not just the writing but also speaking at events um going to networking events I'm not a very confident person I'm confident in writing but if you put me in a room with people I don't know I do find it really daunting going up to new people and introducing myself but you just have to kind of get used to it get to grips with it and then um pick up the phone you were talking earlier about getting rejected by people I constantly get rejected by journalists I'll send them a press release and say are you interested in this story they come back and say no not at all please don't contact me again um, <laughs> but you do honestly you, you become really um, ruthless and you also become very resilient when you run your own business so I've got I've got used to dealing with difficult characters but no the marketing skills have haven't necessarily all come to me naturally I still feel like I'm growing and learning 
within the industry. And that's why I continue to do freelance work with other PR agencies, because I want to continue to learn from people who've been in the industry for, for many years. It's, it's great. You've still got that learning outset that you still want to learn new things and become better. And I think that's really good, especially since you've been so successful and you've been able to gain contracts, work for different companies, write multiple argument articles for various different magazines. But I was wondering, did you have any challenges or struggles along the way? Or has it all been plain sailing? Definitely. I mean, as you will know, and everyone listening will know, on a dietetics degree, you don't get taught any business skills. So, of course, if you do decide to go freelance, work in private practice or set up your own business, I personally found that I had zero knowledge of things like accounting, legal matters, simple things like bookkeeping, even just sending an invoice. I hadn't done that before. So um, I've had to upskill in so many different areas and I'm still learning. I'm certainly not an expert in any of these areas. I I did find... um, but I wanted to try and do everything right from day one because that's what A-type personalities are like. And it's um, often quite a difficult thing to have to manage being a perfectionist. But um, I made sure that I met with professionals from different areas, sectors such as um, finance and accounting to get advice on what I needed to do from day one. So um, you can book, you know, discovery sessions with accountants. You often get given an hour of their time for free, no obligation to commit to working with them. And I would just go with a ton of questions and learn so much. And I did also decide to instruct a lawyer um, about a year ago when I decided to work in clinical practice because obviously GDPR, data protection, law changed about a year and a half ago and I was so conscientious about complying with all the GDPR stuff so we myself and another dietitian paid for a lawyer to write all of our private practice documents to cover us legally so I think that's really important and there's yeah I mean there's so many other areas I'd love to be upskilling in but obviously it's time and money and it's just difficult to focus on them all at one time. Definitely there's lots of different skills involved with running a business I know just for one of those skills my dad's an accountant and I know I could probably pick his brains for a good good amount of hours about tax systems how it all works different things he's retired now but he still has a good enough grasp about it that you can still get a good couple of hours talking about it with him always handy to know an accountant to be honest you could probably write a book on each of these topics individually yeah definitely and I mean um I'm a big um, believer of outsourcing work that you don't enjoy to other people. So I did as much of my Surrey Dietitian website as I could myself and then paid for a a local guy to fine tune it and make it look a bit more professional. And for me, that was money really well spent. With When you're trying to find like an accountant, for example, to work with, I'd encourage people to not just go with the first few quotes that you get. Do spend a bit of time looking around because... I had, you know, lots of quotes coming in ranging from, I don't know, £300 to £1,000. And then I spoke to my friends and I said, does anyone use an accountant they can recommend? And one of them said, oh, actually, I have a great accountant. And he was far cheaper than all the other quotes I had. And he was also a great guy, like drove down to meet me, gave me a lot of time, you know, calls me on the phone a lot. And we've just got such a good rapport that I just feel so comfortable um, going to him for any accounting um, support that I need. And also I found the admin side of my work was getting 
way too stressful and obviously I do a lot of the writing myself and I found that doing the bookkeeping so that's when you you know file all your receipts and do all your expenses that was just taking up hours of my day and chasing up invoices and booking in clients liaising with clinics it was just a total waste of time because then I had you know, spent half a day doing that stuff, hadn't actually done any of the work that I needed to do to get paid. So I do use a virtual assistant who's sort of a virtual secretary as such, who helps out with all those sorts of matters. And that, again, that's money really well spent because she's so efficient. She can do all that stuff in about two hours when it take me about two days. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's really, really useful because sometimes you might try and do everything yourself or not even realize that there are people out there who specialize in the these areas and they could probably, a lot of the time, do it better than us. So it's important to use their skills where necessary to help our business run better and more efficiently. Thank you for sharing everything you've shared with me so far. And I was wondering... You've shared so much about yourself with your audience and given them an, a bit of an inner perspective on how how life is for you and why you've chosen the direction you're going in. It's helped your audience. There's a lot of comments of gratitude. Why did you choose to go in that direction as opposed to almost showing a bit of a pretty lifestyle, fancy foods, really decoratively arranged plates? Not that there isn't a place for that. Decoratively arranged plates are wonderful. Maybe not realistic, though. No, but what I would say is um, I basically got really pissed off when I went on Instagram and, like, saw all these nutritionists and dietitians just eating really, like, the same old foods and perfect kind of lifestyle, perfect diet. And I just thought that's really not a reality for a lot of people, particularly people who are um, struggling with chronic health conditions like I do and did um and you know we're often saying to people it's really easy to eat healthily you know you just need to plan ahead meal prep etc but I was thinking well actually if you're someone who's got fatigue or you're on um medication that makes you very dizzy or nauseous or tired how can you actually eat well because I struggle to eat well and I have really bad flare-ups I struggle to eat eat well on days when my condition is so bad that sometimes I'll just eat like granola for three meals in a row or just snack on you know sweets or won't be able to get to the shops for a few days to get any fresh fruit so I thought well maybe I should share my own experiences of trying to eat well whilst having a chronic illness so I did that on Surrey Dietitian a little bit and I actually built up a really big following of chronic illness followers who had similar conditions and similar problems um, and I did this series for a while called Supermarket Snoop where I would feature friends or people I'd met with chronic illnesses and ask them to share um, their food shop but it was it was not the kind of typical Instagram food shop that you see other nutritionists doing it was very much you know I've got tin vegetables frozen veg because I you know I'm not feeling great this week I need stuff that's um, not going to go off but that's got lots of nutrients in it you know I have ready meals because I don't have the energy to cook this week I have um, jars of pasta sauce because who has time to make homemade pasta sauce when they're feeling sick um so it was actually actually really interesting um and I also featured my cousin who recently got diagnosed with a condition that requires TPN total parental nutrition so um I featured her to show that actually some people can't even eat any food orally so um I did do that for a while, but I then found it was actually like, I just felt, felt uncomfortable oversharing like that information because 
I was taking my personal struggles into my work and I just felt like I needed to kind of draw a line between the two. So I, it was around that time that I realized I didn't really like doing clinical work as well. So I kind of stopped sharing, sharing as much stuff and then started just sharing my writing communications work on Sorry Dietitian. Um, but interesting, I actually lose followers at the moment when I share my writing work because obviously the followers I built up are all the chronic illness community. So um, in the new year, when I'm working with local dietitians to continue Surrey Dietitian, um, they're going to be posting more useful information for people with chronic health conditions, which is going to be really useful. So your followers are changing as you transition after experiencing lots of different things and saying yes transition to the stuff you really want to be focusing on exactly and um i've been speaking to a lot of dietitians recently about the importance of niching down so it's niche niching down is a marketing term it's a bit um bit naff but it's basically about you can't be jack of all trades and i think initially with sorry dietitian i was trying to do everything trying to do clients trying to do my writing trying to do pr stuff working with a school catering company just doing everything not saying no to anything but I've now realized what I'm good at and what I enjoy is nutrition communications and therefore that's just what I'm going to focus on in the new year but getting to that stage of realizing that and actually saying no to some work is quite daunting and difficult do you think it's something that everyone should do starting off is be jack of all trades before niching down or do you think you can start off niching down I think it's different for everyone I think some people who've done years of clinical practice will know that oncology perhaps is their interest area of interest and therefore that's the only area they're going to see private clients in but it's yeah it's very it's very difficult I'm not saying that everyone has to niche down either some people can you know dabble in lots of different things but for me the communication side was just just what I knew I needed to focus on I get so much enjoyment from that I love it and the other stuff, the other work I was beginning to feel resentful towards. So I knew that I just had to focus on what I really do enjoy. I think that's a really good point is picking the things that you love. Because we all got into dietetics because we we were interested in the topic and we, we love the topic. And you need to be able to spend time with family, friends. And I think when you run your own business, because you've invested so much in it and you want it to be successful, there is that opportunity to literally be working all the time. You could be working in your office in your house, working on the couch in your house. You could be working anywhere. And that can be quite difficult. Whereas in a more traditional dietetic role, you have that clear separation between work and home and it might suit certain individuals a bit more. And I think that's one of the challenges of really running your own business is the work-life balance. Totally. It's so stressful because you just, it's really difficult to switch off. I mean, I've got to say, it works for me in more ways than it doesn't work for me because I have this, um, I had a, I had a back surgery a few years ago and I, I've got this um, connective tissue condition that most people haven't heard of called EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, but anyway, the two, they, the two of those conditions combined give me a lot of fatigue, um, sometimes pain and sleep problems and, and various other things. So um, the benefit of running my own business is if I wake up and feel terrible, it's not the end of the world. I can afford to have a chilled day and not worry but it will mean that I'll have to work at the weekend to catch up 
similarly, I can plan my schedule. So today, for example, I went and met a friend at a at Wisley, which is like a local garden place with a cafe. And it was really nice. Took half a day off, went for a walk, had lunch. Um, but to caveat that, um, I know that I'll be work well this week I've been working really really late until early hours of the morning to try and get everything done before Christmas so you do have to make sacrifices but I'm so fortunate that I now work almost 100% from home because originally I was going two days into the office for the PR company but again because of my condition that was actually too much I wasn't making it into the office thankfully they're a very flexible company and very happy for me to do all that work from home so I've made the decision again that from the new year, I will just work from home. I do go into town, London, to meet clients for meetings. But the beauty of being a nutrition writer and working in communications is that almost all my work is done on the computer. So I can sit at my desk or even my bed and do my work remotely. Thank you for talking about your experience starting your business and starting your freelance journey and discussing some of the benefits and drawbacks thank you for sharing that obviously the benefits for yourself outweigh the drawbacks but talking a little bit about both sides thank you for giving advice to others who may be starting freelance or private work if anyone's got any questions are you happy for people to contact you on social media and those kind of things yeah of course um People can um, join our UK Nutrition Writers Facebook group if they're interested in getting involved with um, health writing. We post lots of information in there. We have a share your work thread on a Friday. There's also, um, well, at the moment, there's a Surrey Dietitian account, so Instagram and Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. People can contact me through there or they can email me, surreydietitian at gmail.com. Um, Obviously, I'll have this new company, hopefully, setting up in the new year at some point. Very happy to help other people because a lot of people have helped me on this journey. And I do outsource a lot of the work that I do now to other dietitians, nutritionists. So if there's anyone who's a good writer or even wanting to get experience in, in writing, please feel free to get in touch because I do often have um, opportunities for well-paid work for other dietitians and things also you mentioned a little bit about you instructing a solicitor to create gdpr documents to help you in your clinical practice and i have seen online you've been obviously they were quite expensive so you've been sharing them with other people for a fee so that they don't have to pay the solicitor's prices and they get the relevant gdpr documents for being a dietitian yeah, so Gabby and myself paid for a solicitor to write our GDPR documents. So that's things like privacy policy, website terms and conditions, consent forms, etc. So you can purchase templates and things online, but they are not personalised to dietitians and their business. The freelance dietitian group had some templates, which I initially used, but unfortunately when our solicitor reviewed the documents, they didn't deem them to be GDPR compliant. So I would say be careful about using things that you get online or using, um, you know, writing your own documents because you do need to cover yourself as much as possible, particularly if you're going into health writing and you're working for big companies because, you know, it's so important that you have proper legal contracts in place. Otherwise, people can turn around and say, no, we didn't have an agreement. I'm not paying you any money. So um, 
we sell the GDPR templates to other dietitians in clinical practice, pri working privately. You can email us at nutritionfreelancers at gmail.com and we can send you more information about complying with GDPR and the documents. Um, we have a disclaimer form that anyone who purchases the documents has to sign, recognising that it's their own responsibility for making sure the documents are suitable for their own business. Obviously, the documents were um, written about a year ago, so people need to also make sure that they're regularly reviewing their documents because sometimes um, law can change. But luckily, there haven't been any major changes since our documents were drafted just over a year ago. I would say I have recently learned so much about legal aspects of uh, working with my writing clients. I now get every dietitian writer who works for me to sign a non-disclosure agreement because ultimately if you're disclosing confidential information about your business to other potential competitors, you need to protect that information. So a lot of the work that dietitians do for me is ghostwriting. So they're actually writing under my brand. So their name is not behind the article. It's my business name. So um, for me, an NDA document is really important. I also get my writers to sign a contract, which I develop using um, a legal uh, website that I subscribe to, which are solicitor written documents. And whenever I take on a new client, a writing client or a PR client, then I will um, send them a contractual agreement and that agrees the services that I'm going to deliver for them and the fee for those services. So it's so important to get all of that legal stuff set out and signed from the start. Would you recommend people hiring a solicitor for that or shop around a bit like the accountant? I know a local solicitor's office near me does free Wednesday afternoon clinics where you can go to them with legal issues and they can help you out, I assume. What do you suggest from your own experience for people starting out? Yeah, I mean, obviously this is all from my own experience. I think gold standard is to pay for a solicitor to do it for you, but I don't know many people. I mean, I have... I'm taking on a new writing client maybe once or twice a month. So if I pay for a solicitor to write all those documents that would cost me thousands of pounds a month because solicitors generally charge, you know, some of them charge two or three or 500 pounds an hour. So you can imagine how much that would cost. So um, for things like the clinical practice, I think um, paying one off for a solicitor to, to write your documents or, you know, purchasing the templates that we sell or, or getting someone that you know who's an, uh, a lawyer to write them for you is ideal but because you can reuse those forms you know it's a consent form so you can use that of multiple multiple clients whereas if you're working in um the sector like i'm working in communications where you're going to have different clients the contracts are going to be different each time because you're going to be delivering different services so um initially i was amending contracts myself i got a solicitor to write one and then i was painfully going through each one and changing the name of the company um the services I was delivering, the date of the contract and all this, it was just taking hours and it was such an inefficient process that I recently found a really good website called Rocket Lawyer and it sells templates for literally any legal aspect you could think of and you uh, answer a series of questions like who's the client, what's the company name, what's the company registration number, is there limited liability etc and then you press finish and it personalizes the document you can then pay a little bit more money to um be able to have contact with the lawyers so you can then run it by them and say i'm not sure what to put for this what do you recommend 
and then you download the documents. So you can actually sign up for a free seven-day subscription. So, um, but Rocket Lawyer has been really helpful for my um, writing business. Thank you so much for sharing that useful advice for people. It's been really helpful for myself, but probably also for other dietitians listening or even students dietitians that are interested in this area because it's not just due to the curriculum it's not covered much in universities so lots of students may have questions about it or are just curious about the the technical details with freelance practice but before we go is there any anything finally you want to mention before we go or you want to make sure people are aware of so i would say that if people are interested in um PR and communications and writing things like that definitely look into doing an internship like I did after graduating there's loads of health PR agencies particularly in London such as Edelman TVF Media offer internships as well Ogilvy Health there's there's lots and I'm very happy to speak to people who are interested in trying to get an internship to send recommendations but um, I think that's a great foot in the door because it helps you to build your your skills I guess my only other bits of advice would be if you want to get into writing and um, build up slowly alongside some other paid work because it's very difficult to just make a full-time living initially and also go and find the work because the work won't find you initially so put yourself out there pitch to magazines to companies that you want to work with to food products and hopefully that will lead to at least one one bit of work for you thanks for joining me this week on dietetics digest make sure to visit my website at dietheticsdigest.com where you can listen to the podcast or why not consider subscribing on apple podcasts stitcher smart radio spotify or basically just ask alexa and you'll never miss a show and while you're at it if you found this show valuable you could do one of two things Firstly, if you could leave a review on the podcast app you're listening to, maybe it be Apple Podcasts or Stitcher Smart Radio. And if you could tell a friend about the podcast, that'll be really helpful to help grow the podcast more. Thank you so much for your support and have a lovely week, day, wherever you are.